morning, church. I am excited about being here today. It's a great day. Isn't it a beautiful day? We welcome you. We welcome you here. We welcome you online. And we're just here to praise and honor God and and to be empowered by his word. You're you're, um, blessed with a great sermon from Pastor Jeremy in a few minutes. And it's just it's going to be a wonderful service. And we're going to sing great gospel songs together. And if you'll stand and join us since Jesus came into my heart. in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have lied in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into Onward I 
morning, church. It is a blessing to be here today. Amen. What a beautiful, beautiful day it is outside already. Just a couple of things I want to share with you. This is your first time coming, and we haven't gotten to know you yet. We have a couple ways you can do that. And I am Judy Trippy, the women's minister. I'm filling in for Leslie this morning. She has a little bit of a throat. Her voice is a little weak this morning, so I'm not Leslie, as you see up there. I think I'm, but I'm Judy. <laughs> nice to meet all of you that don't know me. Um, I just realized my name. <laughs> now, I, now I have a PPY, but that's okay. Some people spell it that way, too. That's, that's okay, too. <laughs> I've only been coming here forever. Um, anyway, just to let you know. <laughs> anyway, if you haven't, this is your first time, uh, we welcome you. And yes, we are a little crazy here, and that's okay, too, because God likes crazy people as well. The Bible shows a lot of those in Scripture, for sure. But if it is, we have a couple ways you can connect. You can put the word in connect and text it to 904-441-6900. Or you can go out in the atrium, and we have someone at the information desk that would love, love to speak with you and to get to know you and answer any questions. That's also a great way to put a prayer request in during the week. If you have a prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, you can put that in, or if you have something that you want to ask, you can put that in that connect as well. Also, you can put the word in news, and that will take you to the digital bulletin, and not just the written one. And so you can go there during the week. If you're like me and you kind of forget something, you want to check it out, you can check it out right, right there. Just a couple things I want to share with you this morning. Our Operation Christmas Child boxes are here out in the atrium. It's back. It's time for that. November 13th is the cutoff date for that. So I encourage you to get a box or two and go fill it up for a little boy or a little girl. Just an awesome opportunity to witness all over the world. Also, our women's event, that's why I have the T-shirt on, Christ is Our Hope in Every Season. That will be coming up November the 5th. We have a tickets on sale and the atrium. We have five... Um, different organizations that we'll be sharing with you about what they do for women in our in our area. We also have an awesome, awesome worship leader that will be leading um, our youth pastor, and you're going to hear him speak in just a minute. He's going to be leading that, our worship with us that day as well. And just one more thing I want to share with you, uh, Trunk or Treat, will not be happening on our campus. It will be happening on 16 campus for sure, but we, because of the parking situation, we're praying that we'll be able to do it next year, and we'll have a lot more room and a lot more opportunity. So you guys have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week. And remember, I'm Judy. <laughs> All right, let's stand and sing once more, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It, Redeemed by the Blood of the
confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved with the heart one believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth one confesses resulting in salvation I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to guard what's been trusted to me until that day my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you because you have redeemed me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. May God bless the reading of his word.
Would you stand and join us one of the great, great hymns, It Is Well With My Soul. Let's stand and sing together.
Good morning. So I'm going to also lead us in a time of prayer, which is our generosity moment when I, I'm going to pray over our offering, offerings and our tithes. There's three ways that you can give. You can also text the word give to the number that Judy Trippy mentioned earlier today um, to 904-441-6900. And um, that'll take you to, our, to be able to give digitally. You can go straight online to our website, or you can just drop something in our, our giving boxes in the atrium or in the, in the lobby here. I'd like to also mention that um, because we're part of a Southern Baptist church, it's very cool um, that um, when one of the coolest things about Southern Baptists is the way that we cooperate, the way that we work together. And if you drop a dollar in the plate at a Southern Baptist church, it literally goes around the world. And um, it goes to... Uh, to help support our seminaries. It goes to support our missionaries all over North America and all over the world and through the International Mission Board. But one of the coolest things that I think that people out in our communities don't quite realize, and if you're watching online, you can also realize this is what we do as Southern Baptist, is that if you put a dollar in the plate, it goes towards Southern Baptist relief efforts, disaster relief. And so many, many times, worldwide, when there are disasters, if there's a tsunami in Indonesia, if there's an earthquake in Oklahoma, or if there's a hurricane in Florida, a lot of times, Southern Baptists are the first ones on the field. And so you're a part of that. If you give to this church, we give to the convention, and that goes around the world. And so we've had our, our local association director, Asa Greer, has been down in Southwest Florida and Fort Myers area. Um, he's been helping with that disaster relief, but we also want to pray for um, Russ Dunn and Bruce Norman, who are going to be leaving today, I believe, right? And we want to pray for them as they um, are going to be going to um, to be part of that disaster relief. They're going to be on top of the roofs of houses, putting on tarps and helping with roofs, but as, but as well as they share the love of Jesus in a practical way. We want to pray for divine appointments, that they may get the opportunity to share the gospel with people. Because if they are able to give them all these great homes back and help, help them with their homes, but they gain the world and they lose their soul, then what, have, what does it matter, right? So really, I pray that um, they'll have opportunities to share pe- with people about Jesus as they spread the love of Jesus. So join with me as we pray for um, Russ Dunn, Bruce Norman, Asa Greer that are down there, but also our offerings that are going um, all around in this place. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be here today, to gather together to sing your praises, to read your word, to study it, to have fellowship with, um, with the saints, Lord. And we just pray that you will multiply our efforts as we want to give of our tithes, our offerings. Lord, we pray that you will use it and do what only you can do. Lord, I pray specifically for Bruce Norman, Russ Dunn, Asa Greer, as they've been helping with this disaster relief. I pray that you will bless them with safety, with traveling mercies. I pray that you will also have already gone before them, be working in the hearts and lives of the people that are there so they may get opportunity to share the love of Jesus, share your, your, your salvation with them, the good news Um, that you offer them, Lord. I pray that you will keep them safe as they work, but Lord, give them opportunity to meet with people. Lord, we pray that you will do even more with whatever we give at this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So um, as as I, uh, ooh, the orchestra's gone. They're gone. I thought I was was gonna get to preach to them too sometime, you know? They say that you're preaching to the choir, so it's like, there you are. All right. Before I get started, I want to uh, 
I want to be very clear that today's message is for those people who are broken, those people who are hurting, those people who may be in pain, those people who might be going through something. And I want to challenge you, if that's not you today, then I want to challenge you to go online afterwards and share this with somebody who is hurting, somebody who is broken. If you've ever been in a time in your life where you've been going through something, you might have noticed that there's a lot of other people going through something as well. And as this world gets crazier and crazier every day, you don't have to look far before you can find somebody who is hurting, who's in pain, who's going through some sort of tragedy. And this message is for them. And maybe it's also not you today, but you can also look forward and think maybe there is something that you might yet to go through. And you can think back in your files and remember this message today. So I pray for you today that, that this message is for you, that it ministers to your heart. Don't you love when something gets restored? I love to see something get restored. Like, have you ever gone to the car shows and you see an old car, see those old cars restored? They got their, their paint job back and their upholstery back and the dashboards, I think, are so cool to see the old radios and some of those old cars have no air conditioning. They look neat, but I wouldn't want to ride in one because I want my air conditioning, right? You know, um, <clears throat> but uh, I love to see how, how, a, how a new car gets restored from, I like to also see like a before and after picture. Isn't that kind of neat? I, I'm, I'm a guy who likes to surf, and so I also like to see some of those old surfboards restored. Some of those old shapers who, who, who don't, they don't shape boards like they, like they used to anymore, and I like to see one of those old, yellow, delaminated, dinged-up boards and a, and a master um, workman who can know how to get in there and sand it right and bring back the, the, the fiberglass resin and bring it, bring it, bring it black, back to its original state. You know, I like to see that before and after, that restoration. But you know what I don't like? I don't like ruin. I don't like think when things are destroyed. You know, like if you think about all the destruction that we've seen from this hurricane, did your heart break a little bit when you see those photos? When you see like the picture of Flagler Pier, that pier's been around a long time and it's gone. I hate to see that. There's a pier where I grew up in Port Orange, Florida, um, the, the Sunglow Pier. Half of that pier is gone. And you drive down our beaches. Have you driven down our beach re recently? And you've seen the dunes? They're like, like big parts of that first, first level of, of dune is just gone. It's like, a, it's like, it's just flat. It's crazy. It's heartbreaking. You know, or, or dare you look at pictures of people's homes out there in Fort Myers in, in that area, you know? When you look at the, the destruction, it just breaks your heart. You know what else is, is, is bad when you see those 100-year-old those oak trees, You've seen some, have you seen some of those? Just down from the wind, roots all up and everything. Man, it just breaks your heart. There's something about restoration that inspires us, but there's something about ruin that breaks our hearts. And so today's message is, is one that we're continuing on with this series. 517 is the series. And it's from John chapter 5, verse 17, where Jesus is talking and he says, My father is still working, and I, the son, am also at work. God is still working. And we're going back and we're looking through these stories of the Bible we're looking at some of the big stories as we go through the Bible. And as we look into this story, we can see who God is. 
We can see God's nature. We can see how he works. And one of the cool things that we're learning through all of this is that what, what God has done in the past, he will do again. And we can trust in that. We can discover more about who God is. We can learn about how he interacts with us. And we can know that what he's done before, he will do again. And today, we're going to be looking at a story of when the Israelites returned to Jerusalem after being in exile. Kind of a part of history that we don't really talk about a ton. For me, even as a pastor, I've studied the, uh, you know, all of the Bible, really, and um, I, that part seems a little bit kind of fuzzy to me, a little bit blurry. I'm kind of like this exile of the Jews and Israel, like when they come back to Jerusalem, what's really going on and what's, what's happening then? So we're going to look at that story today. Hopefully we can learn um, a little bit more about, uh, about the history of this, about what the, the Bible says about this. But the most important thing that we can learn today is that God restores We serve a God who wants to restore us, and he's been doing it since the beginning of time. Turn in your Bibles with me to Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. You're going to need your Bible. The the words will not be on the screen. We're going to look at Ezra chapter 1. Okay, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs. So it's kind of towards the beginning of your Bible, right? Um, Ezra. Let me, while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context. So when we hit Ezra, um, we're hitting this time of the, uh, the, the nation of Judah, right? So the Judah comes from the Israelites. So we're going to back up to when we have the Israelites. They had their first king, King Saul, Right? King Saul was the one before David. He was the first king chosen by the people. And then there was King David after King Saul. Saul died in battle. Then there was King David, anointed by, by the prophet Samuel. King David had a bunch of sons, but one of them was Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man that has ever lived, and he's the one that built the temple. Before that, you had kind of that early like synagogue thing where, where um, all the Israelites were in tents, and they were like nomads. They were travelers, and they had the, the, the tent in the middle where the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night was over that main tent where God was. And then when the cloud or the fire would move, then they would pack everything up and they would move with it, right? And that's how the Israelites moved from place to place. And then Solomon comes along, and he built a fixed temple in the city of David, in the city of Jerusalem, and there was this building, the temple. And that's what Solomon did because David wasn't allowed to build the temple because he was a man of blood. He shed blood in battle, killed lots of people, so he was not allowed to build the holy place. So then you have Solomon. So then you have then after Solomon, you have all these other kings. And that's when you get into 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and all of that. You kind of get a lot of those, those kings. And during this time, those Israelites that, that came out of Egypt with Moses and all that, we had the nation of Israel, right? During that time after Solomon, the kingdom split, split in two. And so 10 of the tribes, they went north. And as they went north, they were known as Israel. And they came under oppression because of the things that they did wrong. Um, They came under the oppression of the Assyrians or Assyria. Then there was 
two tribes, Judah and half a tribe of Benjamin, and they were down in the south end. And so the Israelites were split into two. The northern tribes were 10 of them, and two tribes were in the bottom, Judah and half the tribe of Benjamin. And they were the ones under, uh, uh, <clears throat> I think it was Zerubbabel, and they're the ones that kind of carried forward to what we have now, and that's why they're called Jews. It's because they came from Judah, so, right? So then you had all the Israelites were up here. You have the, the Judah, um, tribe of Judah down here. They're the ones that carried on through to later Judah came um, under the oppression of the Romans, and that leads us into the New Testament, right? And that's why they're called Jews. They were all from the tribe of Judah. And, um, but during this time, while they were split, north came under Assyria. South, they came under uh, the oppression and destruction of the Babylonians under Babylon. You've heard of Babylon. And so we're going to, that's where we, we hit our story here in Ezra, right? But, but actually, let me back up one other little, uh, other little, little point here. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. You don't have to turn there because you probably, a lot of you have it memorized, right? How many have quoted Jeremiah 29, 11? Okay, I have. How many of you like Jeremiah 29, 11? Oh, I love it, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I love that verse. It's so great. I have plans to give you hope and future and, and, and not to harm you. Oh, it makes us feel so good. But have you read Jeremiah chapter 29? verse 10 okay okay let, I'm, I'm about to right now so it's coming okay here it comes right here it says this for this is what the Lord says when 70 years for Babylon are complete then I will attend to you and confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope in a future but he said first 70 years of destruction from the Babylonians. Then, then I'll restore you. That's what Jeremiah said to them. You think he was a popular guy? <laughs> Not so much. Hey, 70 years, the armies of the north are gonna come and they're gonna destroy us. And then God's going to restore you. He's gonna restore you. What, what if you're like 80 years old then? You're like 80 years old, you know, you like got about 20 years left maybe. Back then they might live to anywhere between 80 and 100 years old and stuff like that. You're like, all right, 70 years, I'm done. You know, like oh, God's plans to restore me, but we're, I'm gonna be gone, you know? He says 70 years of pain and then restoration will come. Wow, that kind of brings a whole new light to Jeremiah 29, 11, huh? So that was Jeremiah. Jeremiah came and the Israelites were awful. They, um, they, God said, repent, repent. He gave them opportunity, and they didn't. They were bad, and over and over and over again, they did bad, and so then they got judged, and they were in, in, in Babylon, uh, under the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar came with the, the Babylonians that destroyed Jerusalem, and they made all, and the, and the Jews scattered, and they, he made, some of them left, he made the rest of them, anybody who was there, he made them assimilate into the Babylonian culture. And at that time, they said, okay, settle in, build some homes, have some kids, make your farms, and grow plants and all that, and just hang on, because God's going to deliver you in 70 years. And they're like, all right, goodness gracious. Then we get to Ezra, okay? King Nebuchadnezzar is gone, and then comes in this King Cyrus. He's the next king. Nebuchadnezzar came in, and he wanted to destroy everything. King Cyrus had a different approach. Let's read it now in Ezra chapter 1. Verses one through four. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, 
in order to fulfill the word of the, of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, to, to fulfill Jeremiah 29, 10, because 70 years and then I'll restore you. So then here comes Cyrus. The Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus. I want you to underline that or highlight that, circle that. The Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom, to put it into writing. And this is what he wrote. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of the heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you, may his God be with him and may he go to Jerusalem in Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, let every survivor, wherever he resides, be assisted by men in that region with silver, with gold, goods, and livestock, along with a free will offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. Pretty cool. So 70 years after Nebuchadnezzar comes, then here's King Cyrus, and King Cyrus wanted to release the people to practice their own religion, and, and a happy people will love him and think he's a good king. But the point of this is, is that this was not the doing of King Cyrus. This was the doing of God. It says, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus. God did this. And the, the cool thing here is that this was prophesied like 140 years before. In 700 BC, Isaiah prophesied King Cyrus by name. And then in 560 BC, here comes along King Cyrus, and he's fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah that, that they would restore the nation of Israel, that they would restore these Judeans. And so as they came, as then Ezra called all these people, he says, everybody come on back. And we know that there was about a million people. But as we read along through here, as you look at chapter two, just look at chapter two right there. You see all those names and all those numbers. It tells everybody who came. And as you, as you tally it all up, it says here towards the later in, um, in chapter two, it says about 50,000 people came. Kind of interesting that after, out, of a whole, out of about a million people that were there, only about 50,000 people came to be a part of what God was doing. But they started to rebuild the temple. As they started to rebuild the temple, in chapter four, verse six, it says this, at the beginning of the reign of Ahasuerus, the people who were already in the land wrote an accusation against the residents of Judah and Jerusalem. During the time of King Artaxerxes, this is a new king, the letter was written in Aramaic and translated. And they wrote this letter, these people who came against them, and they said, we don't, you guys aren't, aren't doing right, we don't want this to happen. There was opposition. And then look at verse 23. As soon as the King Artaxerxes' letter was read to, to these people, they immediately went to the Jews in Jerusalem and forcibly stopped them. They stopped them. They started to build the temple and they were stopped. This opposition came against the Judeans as they were gonna rebuild the temple. As when, or what I wanted to say during this part is that when God wants to do something good in your life, the devil is always gonna try to stop it. 
You can know when, when you're coming against negativity in your life, when you're coming against opposition in your life, and when you know that God is working, you can almost expect it. But I wanna challenge you to open your eyes to recognize it and not just to get discouraged by it because the devil always wants to try to stop what God is doing. But then they continued on, and in chapter six, look at chapter six, verse 14. It says, so the Jewish elders continued, after they worked through this opposition, they, they, they gathered people again. The Jewish elders continued successfully with the building under the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edu. They finished the building according to the command of God of Israel and the decree of Cyrus. So as they were, as that opposition came and it came against them, they finished the building. This shows us that God is not easily frustrated with his plan in our lives. He continues to work in our lives and no matter what we come against, we can know that God is always working in our life. Okay, so flip with me now to a little bit further along in this, in this passage to Ezra chapter 10. Ezra chapter 10. So they've got this temple all built and they're ready to kind of move in and everything should be good. They have the, all of the, 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 the lookings of being in, in health. Everything's great. We're all back and we've built our temple. We can practice our religion. But look at chapter 10, verse 2. Then Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, Jehiel, the Elamite, responded to Ezra, we have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the surrounding peoples. There is this huge problem, is at this point they have been unfaithful to God. So before then, when they were in exile, they said, all right, everybody settle in. Settle in for the long haul. And so what they did is they started building their homes, they started building their farms, but what they did is they did something that was against the law of God. They started marrying in to all of the other people around them. The Israelite people were always called out to be separate, to be a holy people set apart for the purposes of God, never to marry outside and let the sinfulness of the world in. And they did that. Because it was their pattern, and that's why I brought these flowers here today, is this was what the nation of Israel was supposed to be. These are the chosen people of God, the Hebrews. And all along the way, they, they would always do what was right in their own eyes. And they didn't um, do what God wanted them to do. And they would make mistakes, and they would make mistakes, and they would worship idols, and they would do whatever they wanted to do, what was right in their own eyes. And, and God kept bringing them back. He kept forgiving them and working in their lives and kept bringing them back, but they never learned their lesson. And time and time again, they would mess up and God would send the judges to come and bring them back and, and he would send um, d deliverers to bring them back, but they would still do whatever they wanted to. They would, they would cry out to God and God would bring them back and then they would do evil in their eyes again. And he would send people to continue to, to judge them and to continue to prophesy to them, but they would mess up and they would they would not living according to what God wanted them to. And, 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 and we look back and we're like, why wouldn't they just do what God wanted them to do? 
And you would have king after king after king. It would say they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And they would, they would sacrifice babies to, to idols. And it was crazy the kind of stuff. They would just forsake, forsake the truth, the, the, the blessing. And over and over and over. And they felt, and, and, and when they came to God, they were like, this is what we have. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the world's beat you up? Have you ever felt like you messed up? You ever felt like maybe I can't be used like I thought I, could, I, I, I should have been? Have you ever felt like I've done too much wrong? Well, the end of chapter 10, verse 2 is so beautiful. Finish reading that verse with me. It says, but there is still hope for Israel in spite of this. Isn't that beautiful? He says, he says we have married outside. We brought in all these foreigners, but there is still hope. No matter what you've done, no matter what kind of pain you've been, you feel like I may have been a full-on drug addict, I may have, have cheated on my wife, I may have messed everything up. And I, this, this plant is actually not that bad. It actually has a lot of green. You might feel like even those are gone and all, and all you have is just sticks left in your life. Right? But, but verse two, at the end of it, it says, but there is still hope. A friend of mine named Josh I went to elementary school with. He got real caught up into um, drugs, and, drugs and alcohol, real bad, real bad. And um, he was so into it. It was just like, it, it, he, he had tried all of the things and just was sucked into it. The devil had his meat hooks in him, right? And, um, and one year for Christmas, his mom said, what do you want for Christmas? And he says, I want rehab. And she got him checked into a place. And, and he's one of the like 3% of people that get out, get through that. Praise the Lord, he got out of it. And now he's got a great life. It's not an easy life, but, but he, he's, he's sober and he's clean and he lives life and he gives God credit. He posted this thing one time and I remember it. It was just a simple saying and he says, as long as there's breath, there's hope. As long as there's breath, there's hope. And that's exactly what this chapter 10 verse two says. To the Israelites, as long as there's breath, there's hope. There is still hope for you. And they had all of this sin in their lives. And it's this, you, as you read along and through the book of Ezra, as you read to the finish, they had to do this, this something that we just don't quite understand. I, don't, I still don't quite understand. I don't quite like it. But it's what they did in order to get right with God. They had to like put the wives away. They had to take the children that were, um, that were infiltrating with the, the culture of the, sin, of, the, of the sinful world into the people of God. They had to put them out of the camp. I don't know if they took care of them. I don't know how they, how they did that. It's kind of, I don't really like the way that that sounds, right? But what it, what it means to us is that sometimes when we have sinfulness in our life and we know that God is going to give us mercy and forgiveness and grace, sometimes we have to repent. We have to commit to getting the sinfulness out of our lives. That's what they did. And... And I want to point out, because um, that the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, actually, I learned this studying it, actually used to be one full book. It was always one, one, one book, right? And um, it was Ezra and Nehemiah, the whole process of the Israelites coming back into Jerusalem and building the whole temple. They built the temple, and then they built, in Nehemiah, they built the city walls, 
Okay, the whole story. And as the people, and they had all sorts of opposition all along the way, and Nehemiah and all of his leadership, he brought up, and as they got to the point where everything was done, I want you to flip over with me. I'm not gonna read many passages, but I want you to look at it, and I want you to know that, that it's there. And, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and this is kind of the ending of it, kind of something that's pretty cool. In chapter nine, actually eight and nine, we see at the end of chapter eight, we see then they, they start practicing their festivals again. They start practicing their feasts again. And um, in verse 18, it says, Ezra read out of the book of law, um, chapter eight, verse 18. Ezra read out of the book of the law of God every day from the first day to the last. And the Israelites celebrated the festival for seven days. And on the eighth day, there was an assembly um, of this, uh, according to this great ordinance. And then they, they showed that they repented of their sinfulness and then chapter nine, they have this incredibly massive revival that where, where God brought them back completely and totally restored them. See, you might feel like this. You might feel like beat up, you've messed up, you've done so much um, that you wonder if God could ever do anything good with you again. You probably don't feel very useful. You might not feel very beautiful. You might not feel like, like, like anybody's gonna listen to you or you're gonna have any influence again, but praise the Lord that he restores, that he restores us. And you know, I can't ever make this plant, I can't put those flowers back on it, but God is a God who creates something new. We're learning in the student ministry right now, we're going through this sermon series called um, Faith or Fantasy, and we're looking at uh, a creation versus evolution. And we learn that God is a God who creates in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, anybody who's in Christ is a new creation. All the old is gone, everything's been made new. God actually creates things out of nothing, ex nihilo. With, with nothing there, he creates something. And so when we've messed up, God can recreate something in our life. He restores us, not just by putting the pieces back together, but by making us new. Let me read one last passage. I want you to turn with me to this one. 1 Peter chapter five. Turn with me to the back of your Bible. 1 Peter chapter five. Way back towards the back. We're gonna look at verses five or six through 10. Chapter five, verses six through 10. Peter writes this. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that he may be able to exalt you in the proper time, casting all of your cares on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for who he can devour because he's trying to come against what God is doing in your life. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. This is the point that I wanted to make today. Is the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore and establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered for a little while. We all go through suffering. We all go through pain. But when we do, if we're humble, if, we're, if we repent, the God of grace will restore us he will establish us. He will strengthen us because he's been doing it since the beginning of time. 
And as I looked at this, that this is what God, what he did in the past, he will do again. What's very interesting is when we look at the life of Jesus, this is exactly what he did here on the earth. Because he came himself to show us what restoration really looks like. From the beginning of time, Adam and Eve messed up. God brought us back to himself and showed us how to have the offerings. The Ninevites, they messed up and God sent Jonah to, to repent. The Israelites messed up. They were under, under Egyptian rule and God sent Moses to deliver them, right? Uh, all of humanity messed up and sinned so bad that God wanted to destroy them all and God sent Noah to deliver us all as a human race, right? Um, over and over and over, the Israelites messed up and God sent the judges, Samson and Deborah and Gideon and Ehud, over and over and over. He's been doing this. He's been restoring them. And ultimately, he sent Jesus. And when Jesus came himself to our world, he touched the leper who hadn't been touched and restored his skin. If he can restore the skin of the leper, he can restore your sicknesses. He, he healed the woman who had an issue of blood and she didn't have that issue anymore. He healed her fully. And if he can restore that woman, then he can restore the relationships that are broken in your life. He cast out the demon of uh, the demon-possessed man. And that demon had all sorts of demons inside of him that were, that were keeping him down. And if Jesus can cast out the demons of, of the, of the demon-possessed man, then he can cast out the addictions, the struggles, the strongholds that are in your life. And if, if he can restore the witness of Mary the prostitute, she was caught in the act of adultery, and he restored her and said, where are your accusers? And it's, it's believed that even Mary started to be one of his followers and traveled with Jesus. If, if, if Jesus could restore her after those mistakes, he can restore us after any mistakes that we've ever made. Think about how even Jesus restored Saul the Christian killer. You might say, Jeremy, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how broken or how bad I am. You might be watching this online. You might be thinking, oh, you don't know what I've done. I'm way too bad. But Saul was a Christian killer. And Jesus met him on that road to Damascus. And he changed his life forever. And if Jesus can restore those people like that, he does that still for us today. He sent his Holy Spirit, not only just Jesus that has died on the cross, buried and rose again, but then he sent his Holy Spirit to be here with us now, to minister to us as it has fellowship with the Holy Spirit that's in you and that's in me, to minister to us from right directly inside of us, to change us and bring out real restoration that can meet you right where you are. So I wanna challenge you. Get rid of the sinfulness in your life today. Come to Jesus. Because what God has done before, he will do again. And if maybe you're not going through this something at that point where you need that kind of restoration, I want you to share this message with somebody who is. 
or stick this in your file so that you know when it, you can call on it when, when the time comes for you. But even more than that, maybe at the point, you're not at the point where you need that restoration yourself. Here's something that, that really kind of changes the, the idea. This is where everybody in the room has an opportunity to be changed from this message. I wanna challenge you, every one of us, to treat other people with the same kind of restoration, love, and mercy, and grace that God has treated us with. Because all too often, Christians look down our noses and we judge other people when they don't look like us. And we judge them and we think that God's grace is good for me, but it's not good enough for you to be with me, so I'm gonna treat you with like, I wanna challenge you to treat other people with the same love the same mercy, the same grace, and the same restoration relationship that God has given to us. Will you commit to do that today? Come to Jesus today if you need that restoration. But I pray that you will commit today to treat other people with that same restoration love. Will you pray with me? God, we love you and we thank you for this day and we thank you and praise you that you never gave up on us. We thank you and praise you that you are slow to anger, you abound in love, and you meet us right where we are. You've never held up your hand to us and said, stop, go get better, go get clean, and then you can come here to me. You, you meet us right where we are. You are a good, good God. We praise you. There is no God like you. Lord, help us to shine that light of restoration love and mercy and grace and forgiveness to a world who so desperately needs it. Please use us, God, to shine that bright light to them and love them like you loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need to come forward and make a decision as we sing this song, come forward. Come and tell somebody else about the decision that you're making and let's sing this hymn together.
love you. We honor you. We worship you. Thank you for loving us, Lord. And we, we, just, we just pray that you will restore us, that you'll make us anew, Lord, that you will empower us, that we can go out and love others as you love us. We pray, Lord, that we'll take this message today and share it with others. And we just honor you and praise you for what you're going to do in our lives as we go forth from here. May we sing the praises of the great Lord our God. We give you praise and honor in Christ's name. Amen.